0: All right, we took a break from the Old Testament to go through the book of Titus, and we're going to go back to the Old Testament uh, for now, and we're going to go chronologically through the Kings and the first, um, first and second Kings and second Chronicles. Those two, those three books are parallel. We have already gone through first Chronicles, and we've gone through first and second Samuel, which is the life of David primarily. And how the kings got established. Um, the kingdom of Israel gets established with kings. And so, when we get to First uh, Kings, we have a couple chapters in First Kings that don't have a parallel in Second Chronicles. So we said last time when we were looking at Kings and Chronicles that the kings record First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings record a lot of the politics. Of the king, the kings, and the first and second chronicles are written much later, looking back and emphasizing the spiritual dimension of the kingdoms of Israel and uh, Judah. And so that likely will play in. So, what we're going to do is look at first kings, and as second chronicles uh, informs us, we're going to parallel. So, we're going to look at both of them, kind of like the synoptic gospels Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the life of Christ. And so, what we're going to do is just walk through. And uh, we got a couple chapters of Kings that don't have that are in between the Chronicles. So, Chronicles doesn't record what we're going to read today. So, this is just in Kings. And when Chronicles does inform us, gives us more details or emphasizes something different than King says, we'll we'll mention that as we go through uh, this study. So, the challenge of the Old Testament compared to the New is we have a lot of narrative and trying to discern what God's trying to teach us through these stories. Like even today is going to be a challenge. As as I read these, I'm like, okay, so what do I do with this? How do I apply this? And so many names, places, I'm not going to have, you don't have a map in front of you. Um, And then we're not going to have a lot of time to get a chapter at a time with 50 some verses, 53 verses. We're not going to have a lot of time to do cross references, so I'll just mention a few things. We got to keep moving uh, through the passage to try to get um, to a, an accurate handling of, of a chapter at a time. That's the, that's the plan. Some chapters will be complicated and we'll slow down. Uh, others will just be stories. We'll just take the stories. We won't be able to read likely every, every word. But so, what we're going to look at today is um, what comes to your mind when you think of Solomon. Uh, he is going to ascend the throne in this chapter, but if you were to give us a description or what comes to your mind when you think of Solomon, what comes to your mind? Wisdom. Wis- Wisdom. Everyone that knows Solomon is going to say that. Okay. Yeah. When it comes to David's rule and all that he has had to endure, we got to put ourselves back in what is recorded about David's life. He's got books, Second uh, Samuel and First Chronicles, is is mostly his. His reign. <clears throat> uh, other than the fall with Bathsheba, what comes to your mind when you think of David's rule? Man after God's own heart. Okay, man after God's own heart. Faithful. Faithful, okay. Wars, wars, wars. wars right. He was a warrior king. If you could imagine, um, What David has had to endure. He probably has the most detail of what he's had to endure um, in the Old Testament. Maybe Moses would be similar and Abraham. But if you think of David, even before he was king, he had to endure being the youngest of seven brothers. um, Having um, being chosen to be king. And the current king didn't like him, and grew in his hatred toward him. Tried to kill him, sent three thousand of his best troops constantly on after David to try to take him out. He's got um, a few at the before he becomes king. He has a few wives. One was married to a fool, uh, Abigail, and one is given to him by his enemy, King Saul. In hopes that she will be a hindrance to him, Michael. And what we know of her character is she hasn't been a blessing of a godly wife uh, to him. And then he's got other issues, obviously, with his with his children and having multiple wives that we know of, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a divided kingdom at first. He's got seven years where he's only ruling in Judah while one of Saul's son, Isposheth, is ruling in the north. And then he has a commander, Joab, who does kind of his own thing, kind of rogue, um, doesn't listen a lot to advice and just takes matters in his own hands and is a lot of foolishness. We'll see Joab again today. And then at the end of his reign, he's got a son who wants to take him out and become king after Absalom is destroyed by Joab, who doesn't listen to the king's command. Then there is another guy from Benjamin right after this that tries to take all of Israel away from David and just leave David with Judah. That's 2 Samuel 19 and 20. 19 is Absalom. 20 is a guy named Sheba. And so... David's rule has been very scattered, divisive, and yet the wisdom that he has displayed throughout his rule to how he treats Abner when Abner was killed, how he mourned for him, how he deals with his son who is rebellious, Absalom, how he deals here in this chapter. His wisdom is is remarkable uh, to, to be able to hold a divided kingdom together for 40 years is is pretty remarkable and often doesn't get highlighted. But one commentary I was looking at said that he had endured a lot and had to figure out how to be a strong leader uh, where you're leading people who sometimes didn't want you to lead them. and And so this is what, but as he passes off the scene here, He's giving Solomon a unified kingdom as best as David could do a unified kingdom with a massive amount of money. If you remember the billions of dollars of gold and silver and resources that David had personally saved up for, for the temple, he has given Solomon also a very peaceful kingdom. All the kingdoms around are paying tribute to David And uh, if they weren't willing to pay tribute, they went, David went and conquered them. So Solomon's going to inherit a peaceful kingdom and a kingdom that was full. Uh, It was completely the bounds that were laid out in Joshua for the kingdom, uh, for the promised land David had conquered and Solomon's going to rule that time. And they're going to start losing that land Um, and that land still today being fought over. Uh, But it was God's uh, promised land to a promised people. And David allows, um, in his wisdom, is is used by God to set the kingdom toward God and set his faithful to God son up for success. Mm -hmm. This required a lot of wisdom. And Solomon is definitely not the oldest son. He's not the second oldest son. He's not the third oldest son. He's not the fourth oldest son. He's got many older brothers. We don't even know how many older brothers he had, but one is going to show up today. And he's going to, we'll see him again uh, next week. So First Kings uh, chapter 1. We're going to compare today wise and foolish leaders. We are, we just had elections yesterday in some states. It's all over the news. What, um, what states are deciding on the abortion issue, what they're deciding on um, who's gonna be their governor and some state uh, senates and, and um, next year's gonna be worse politically and we're already starting to see it. We're just expecting uh, the news and the culture is going to be more and more fractured but what does the Bible teach us about foolish leadership and wise leadership? So we start in First Kings with King David was old and advanced in years. We know he's 70 years old. okay. But in this time, with the amount of wars that he has fought, he likely looks a lot older than what you would think of a 70-year-old man. And with what we get described here, him physically, he is about ready to die. Okay. He looks like, he looks like death. Like he's about ready to breathe his last mentally though. He's pretty sharp. And so we'll see some of the, he's very with it mentally, but physically his body's done. He has fought so many battles and his body has taken a a beating um, with all of his, his wars. And, and, and now he is physically worn out, ready to, ready to go to heaven. So verse one says, David's old, advanced in years, although they covered him with clothes, he could not get warm. And therefore his servant said to him, and this is not wisdom. This, um, this is foolishness. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times when wise people make foolish decisions. We know David, uh, a very foolish decision with Bathsheba and numbering the people, um, and a few other times that David uh, doesn't look wise, and this is another instance where he's listening to servants who, where do they get this advice from? Likely from other kingdoms, and so anytime God's people get advice from other kingdoms, it doesn't usually go well. They don't look good. They look like other kingdoms, but they don't look wise. They don't look godly. They do things that are inappropriate, and this sounds like an inappropriate thing and scripture is very discreet it doesn't give us a lot of details other than what we what we can read and it doesn't make, want us to focus a lot on Abishag and and David's uh, involvement with her but it just mentions her and says uh, let the young woman be sought for my lord the king and let her wait on the king and be in his service let her lie in his arms uh, that my lord the king may be warm so he is Uh, counseled by his servants not godly leadership but just his servants what do other kings do when they get near the end of life and they can't stay warm they get some beautiful young girl and uh, why not one of his wives Mm -hmm. why did she have to be very beautiful i mean there are questions you're like "Mm, this doesn't sound like an appropriate thing it sounds like suspect okay now if you're abishag You're in a town, the town of Shunem, and you get the call or the summons, and the king's servants say, I think you fit the bill. And you can imagine, even today, it'd be like, what? My daughter's going to be used by the king for what? However, where can she make likely this kind of money if she is um, paid? I'm sure she's paid uh, royally. for this service that she offers. And likely I, I, it's not long. Okay. So he's about ready to die. They've tried everything to try to keep him warm. And so this is their last attempt um, before he dies. And it is likely days that uh, this happens, not, not even weeks or months. It sounds like it's the very last thing. So um, they find this girl and they bring her to the King and verse four, she's uh she's a young woman she's very beautiful and she was in the service of the king and attended to him but the king knew her not so it wasn't a sexual relationship um, and that's that's all uh, we know or need to know about this situation this looks (laughs) foolish um, and at this point David is following the advice of the nations likely the ungodly and it leads to what does it lead to an inappropriate situation it's going to make the godly people in David's life feel uncomfortable. So we're going to see how Abishag and her ministering to the king is going to make Nathan and Bathsheba feel uncomfortable. So anytime we listen to ungodly advice and do foolish things, it makes godly people around us feel uncomfortable. All right. Verse five. Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, which is one of David's um, wives mentioned back in, Second Samuel exalted himself, saying, I will be king. This is the fourth son. Son one and three, Amnon, is killed by Absalom, number three. And number three, Absalom, is killed by Joab. We don't know about son number two. We don't hear about him or where he's at. But likely Adonijah is the oldest surviving, able-bodied king who could ascend the throne. And now how the nations pick their kings? Who's ever the oldest son? Okay. But this isn't how Israel picks kings. David is not the oldest. And David picks his son to rule after him. And he's not the oldest either. So Israel, God's people pick their leaders, not based on how the, how the world picks their leaders. they based on character, godliness. Okay. And so that's important for wisdom versus foolishness, because this young man, Adonijah, is a foolish man. Let's see what he does. Well, he says to himself, he exalts himself. He lifts himself up. Okay, anyone who exalts themselves, we are suspect of their leadership. I will be king. Okay, he says to himself. And he says to others, and let's see his qualifications to be king. Verse 5 continues. He prepared for himself chariots, so he has resources, and horsemen, and 50 men to run before him. His father had never had at any time displeased him by saying, why have you done thus or so? So he had a privileged position in the family. He'd never done anything wrong. Like Absalom and Annon had done some things that were really suspect and foolish. And But Adonijah kind of flew under the radar. Amnon and Absalom take all the blame and they're the bad sons. And here is Adonijah, the next in line. And he had never done anything to displease his his father. So why wasn't he chosen to be king? He also has something else going for him. He was also a very handsome man. He was born next after Absalom. So he would be next in line. And he gets some advice. He gets some powerful people around him. He confers with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abiathar, the priest, And Joab and Abiathar are with David when he goes um, and flees uh, for Absalom. So they are with David. So if Adonijah can get these trusted military leader and spiritual leader on his side, he's thinking, I've got it made. Okay. But this is all foolishness. Why? Because of how it starts the description of Adonijah. He's exalting himself. He says, I will be king. What does God think? What does your dad, who is still on the throne, David, what does he think? He's a man after God's own heart. Those two aren't conferred with, it's no. Who can help me to be king is what Adonijah, foolish thinking. So he follows the advice of self. He exalts himself. He says, I will be king. He has a privileged status, he has privileged looks, he has a lot of talent, likely, but this is how the world chooses their leaders. This isn't how God chooses his leaders. He gets people around him uh, that can help him, 50 guys that run before him, and it says here at the end of verse 7, they followed Adonijah and they helped him, but Zadok the priest and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, he's the other military leader. And Nathan, the prophet, we know him from Bathsheba's story, uh, consistently a godly prophet. And Shimei, um, also a godly man who helped David um, when he fled from Absalom. And Ray and David's mighty men were not with Adonijah. Now, why aren't they with Adonijah? Because they already know who's going to be king. David has told them who's going to be king, and it's not Adonijah. So Joab and Abiathar are going against what they know the king's wishes are, and God's wishes, because Solomon is the next king. They know that. And so what does Adonijah do? He sacrifices sheep, oxen, fattened cattle by the serpent's stone, which is beside en and he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or uh, Benaiah, or the mighty men, or Solomon, his brother. Now, why doesn't he invite them? Because they're not with him. He invites all the other king's sons, all the other political leaders, uh, religious leaders, who will go along with this coup attempt, attempt to take the throne by self-exaltation. This is foolish leadership, following the advice of self. All right, and... The normal way for God's people to choose their leaders is to have godly leaders nominate and affirm affirm with a prophet God's leader hearing from God. So God's way of choosing leaders is 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 in accordance with God's word. And we do our best here at church to choose leaders based on godly leaders who nominate and a church that affirms as they follow God's word. And so not self self-exaltation someone comes to our church and says i will be the next pastor here (laughs) (laughs) i will be the what this isn't how uh that may work in a company but it doesn't work in a church and it doesn't work in in a godly kingdom either okay it's foolishness and it's exposed as foolishness here now what does wise leadership do so nathan is a wise leader he's not invited He comes and says to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, who best to approach David than Solomon's mother, who has Solomon's best interests at at mind. He also, she likely also has got David's ear on on matters because David has told her and Nathan that Solomon's going to be the next king. And so Nathan fills in Bathsheba and says, have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David, our Lord, does not know it. David is in bed most of the time uh, on his deathbed. Now, therefore, come, let me give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go in at once to King David and say to him, "Did, did you not, my Lord the king, swear to your servant, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then is Adonijah king? Then while you are still speaking with the king, I will also come in after you, And confirm your words. So Bathsheba does this. It's uncomfortable for her because David is has this Abishag there, uh, this young girl. Um, And so Bathsheba goes into the king in his chamber. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was attending to the king. And Bathsheba bows and paid homage to the king. She's showing respect. This is what godly followers do to godly leaders: they show respect. And the king says. what do you desire? And she said to him, my Lord, you swore to your servant by the Lord, your God saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne. And now behold, Adonijah is king. Although you, my Lord, the king do not know it. He has sacrificed oxen. So she gives um, the news and then says, this is what he's done to confirm his intent. And he has uh, invited all the sons of the king Abiathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army but Solomon your servant he is not invited and now my lord the king the eyes of all Israel are on you to tell them who shall sit on the throne so Adonijah makes himself king it's very temporary <laughs> and all of Israel doesn't look at Adonijah and say okay well he's our king because the king's still alive David's still alive so they and if they don't do something before David dies Adonijah is going to take the throne, Mm -hmm. rightfully, because of his age position, right? And so the the whole nation may not know that Solomon's going to be the next king, but they need to know, okay? They need to know quickly. So this is why this matter is urgent. And now my Lord, the king, the eyes of Israel are on you um, to tell them who's going to sit on the throne. Verse 21, otherwise it will come to pass when my Lord, the king sleeps with his father's that I and my son Solomon will be counted offenders. So we're going to look like the bad guys um, as we attempt to take the throne, which you have said was ours. Verse 22. While she was still speaking, Nathan comes in. He, he reiterates what has been said and what uh, what they've done. And then uh, let's go down to verse 28. So David listens So verses 11 to 27 is Bathsheba, Nathan talking to Bathsheba, Bathsheba talking to David, and then Nathan comes in and talks to David. So all of that wise leadership listens to wise advice. Okay, here is different than verses 1 to 4, different than verses 5 to 10, wise leadership listening to wise advice, and now there's action based on that wise advice. Verse 28, then King David answered, It says, called Bathsheba to me, so she came, and the king's presence stood before the king, and the king swore, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul uh, out of every adversity, and we mentioned some of David's adversity, "Uh, as I swore to you by the Lord, the the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place, even so I will do this day. So he's going to make Solomon a co-ruler this day, all of Israel's going to know it, and it's not, the, 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 the succession of the throne is not going to be upward for eight. It's going to be sealed while the king's still alive. And often they did this in, in Kings, where if the king was ready to die, he would make sure his chosen son was on the throne, and they would rule together until the king passes, then the, the, the son rules by himself. So Bathsheba bows her with her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, May my lord, King David, live forever obviously just a nicety because he's dying. (laughs) He's not going to live forever. Uh, Verse 32, King David says, call to me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So he's got the religious leaders um, and then he's got uh, the uh, military leader. The new military leader is going to be this guy Benaiah and going to take over Joab's position. Uh, and they, he calls them, he tells them what to do, have uh, Solomon sit on my, um, anoint him publicly, have him ride on my mule, and then have him sit on my throne. Make the, all this public declaration, and I'm still alive and going to oversee this. Um, let's look at verse uh, 37. As the Lord has been with my Lord the King, so uh, Beniah, the military leader, uh, answered the king and said, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, say so. Uh, As the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. What a wonderful encouragement that this must have been for David to hear that from a military leader where Joab, from what we know of him, likely would not have said these these kind of things, um, a more godly uh, leader, even over the military. Verse 38. So Zadok, the priest, Nathan, the prophet, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites, the Pelethites, those are the mighty men, went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule, brought him to Gihon. Uh, there Zadok, the priest, took the horn. All this is public. They anointed Solomon. They blew the trumpet. All the people said, long live King Solomon. All the people knew the mighty men. They knew Nathan the prophet, they knew Zadok the priest, they knew Beniah. All these people were faithful to David, and whatever David said, they did, especially at the end. And with David's mule, with David's throne, all of this confirms to the everybody that this is the rightful king. So anyone who claimed to be king, even if it was that day earlier, is not the rightful king, because he didn't have the credentials that Solomon has here. So let's see how... Um, the people respond to this. Um, Long live King Solomon, they say at verse 39. And then all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. There was a small group, 50 people, maybe a few more, at Adonijah's coronation. But when it, when it came to this, all of the mighty men and the the uh, rightful religious and uh, leaders are here uh, with David's approval and then all the people go grab their instruments and they join this huge like parade Mm -hmm. and it's so loud that it it gets to Adonijah and his little group of uh, rebels (laughs) let's see how they respond verse 41 Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished their feasting So they're still at the feast having made him king. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they're still finishing up and they're expecting to take over the kingdom. And they hear this great noise. Mm -hmm. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, what does this uproar in the city mean? Joab's a military guy. Every time he hears a trumpet, he's like, what (laughs) What was that? Um, While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the uh, son of Abiathar, the priest came in and Jonathan is mentioned by name as is uh, following David uh, as he's fleeing Absalom, and and he's sent back to Jerusalem because he's a priest. And so Jonathan is a trusted guy uh, to help save David's life when it comes to Absalom. But here uh, they think that Jonathan's going to give them good news. The son of Abiathar, the priest, and Adonijah said, "Come in, for you are a worthy man, and bring good news. <laughs> like Yeah, give it. Give us some good news here, Jonathan." Uh, Jonathan answered Adonijah no it's, it's not good news for our Lord King David has made Solomon king and the king has sent with him Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and the Cherethites and the Pelethites and they made him ride on the king's mule and you can see Adonijah's face going from you're telling us all these people are recognizing me as king and he's saying no that's mm-hmm. not what's happening they're actually recognizing Solomon as king we well, can see his face go from cheerful, oh, you're a good man, give me some good news to, oh, no, 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 we're in trouble. <laughs> we are now rebels outside of the kingdom. And um, Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet, verse 45, have anointed him king at Gihon, and they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is in an uproar. city's glad. This is the noise that you have heard. They're not noise for you. It's noise for Solomon. Mm -hmm. Solomon sits on the royal throne publicly. Moreover, the king's servants came to congratulate our Lord King David saying, may your God make the name of Solomon more famous than yours and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on his bed. This bowing is different than the homage that uh, Bathsheba gives. This word means bowing to worship. So this word is also mentioned in when Jacob bows his head on his bed before he dies and he blesses his sons, he bows his head like David's laying in bed likely, and he gets up in a bowing to God position. Mm -hmm. So he is praying on his bed. And when David hears that this succession has gone well, that he worships God here on his bed, musters enough strength to do that. So he bows himself in worship to God on his bed, and the king also said in in this short prayer, "Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has is granted someone to sit on my throne this day, my own eyes seeing it." So his his mind is there. He's done what is right. He's done what was wise to preserve the kingdom and to to pass it on to the the faithful to God's son. Verse forty nine. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose, and he went. Each went his own way. (laughs) When everyone goes their own way, that's not a sign of unity. That's a sign of (laughs) defeat. Okay. And here uh, Adonijah was defeated. And how does he look at Solomon? He fears Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. This is a desperate attempt to try to spare his life because he knows I just tried to take the kingdom that wasn't mine and I deserve to die. Verse 51, then it was told Solomon, behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon. Behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar saying, let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. So spare my life. And Solomon said, if he will show himself a worthy man, not one of the hairs of his head shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. If he's going to keep this foolish behavior up, he's going to die. If he's going to submit to God's leader, which is Solomon, I'll let him live. This is a younger brother to an older brother, okay, but this is what is required. (laughs) You can't have a kingdom that you're going to have people unfaithful to you at the start of it. Verse 53, so King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar, and he came, paid homage to King Solomon, and Solomon said to him, go to your house, okay, and that's how chapter one uh, ends, and David's going to pass away at the beginning of chapter two. So wise leadership. What do we see about wise leadership here? Verses 11 to 27, they listen to advice from respected godly wise leaders. They follow that advice, verses 28 to 39. Then it results in verses 40 to 53, God's choice of his people's next king is followed. The people recognize that. And then foolish leadership fears and has to submit to wise leadership. So what does this have to do with us today? Psalm 1 reminds us that the man is blessed who doesn't listen to the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So ungodly counsel sometimes, and according to this passage, comes from our own hearts. Adonijah's own heart said, I will be king. I will exalt myself. I don't care what God said. I don't care what God's people said. I'm going to do it my own way. He kept company with sinners. Eventually, he probably, in that feasting, sat in the seat of scoffers. He wasn't blessed. But he delights in the law of the Lord. What does God say in his word? What Who did God want to rule? Uh, he wanted Solomon to rule. Uh, Solomon's going to seek God at the beginning of his kingdom. He is a man who loves God's word, loves God, and is going to meditate on God's word day and night. So what do we see for us today in Psalm 2? It tells us of foolish leaders of the earth gathering against the Lord and against his anointed. The the foolish leaders of this earth think they don't have to serve God. They won't give an account to God, and we're going to throw off God's rule. We do not have to submit to God's Son. And the end of Psalm 2 says, You better kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed is the man who takes a refuge in him. So we learn to not um, follow the foolish leaders of this earth. It doesn't matter how much power they have, it doesn't matter how, how good looking they are, how much they want to exalt themselves. If they're not following God and not following Jesus, we don't want to follow them. Now, there are people, there are Christians today in Russia, North Korea, Cuba, China, that cannot follow their political leaders. They cannot go along with the people like Adonijah and worse. But they're in those kingdoms. So what do they do? They look past their leaders to the God who is going to rule heaven and earth, is ruling heaven and earth. They worship Jesus. They bow and worship him. One day in faith, we know that all the foolish leaders will have to submit to the wise leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the book of Revelation. May we as his church today be found joyfully following him according to his word.